from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me on the show, Marky Moray. Marky, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, with me. The way I like to do it, I let my guests introduce themselves because I believe this is, you know, the best thing anyone can introduce himself better than anyone else. So the floor is yours. Perfect. Thank you, Mehmet. Yeah, it's great to be here. My name is Mark Murray. I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Systems Improvement Consultancy. We work with companies of all sizes, mostly mid-size and enterprise clients, helping them get the most out of their technology. We work with a lot of the business leaders to help them create visibility um, into the work that their teams are doing. We do that by improving their processes, implementing software, um, helping them uh, improve and optimize their workflows. We train them on various software platforms. The, the most important one that we, we train around is a tool called Asana. We're also mm -hmm. HubSpot partners. And so we do a lot of work in this space and I, I just absolutely love it. I love getting the opportunity to come in dig in with a company, understand what's wrong, what's not working, and then showing them the possibilities of what process optimization can do for them as they come out of the other side. That's great. So, you know, maybe it's a little bit classical question, but, you know, what have led you to start your own company, uh, Ditto? Yeah, great question. Um, it was really out of a need for better systems, both in a previous business that I ran, as well as um, what I saw as a need for a lot of the customers that we were servicing at the time. So my background is in operations. I worked in the corporate um, side for a long time. And then I, I left that when my kids were born about eight years ago. And I uh, jumped into marketing, um, the marketing space and opened up my own marketing agency. And so because I had a bit of a background in marketing, even in the operations role, it really came naturally to me um, working on building campaigns and, you know, deploying websites and doing branding for customers. But, you know, what I found was that one, as my business was growing, as my agency was growing, I had to bring on new people and I was getting bogged down and in having to train these people. Um, as they were coming on and I was repeating myself over and over again, saying a lot of the same things and, you know, whether it's onboarding or constant training on, on processes of how we do things within, within the agency, I was finding that I was spending a lot of my time having to take away from the roles and the responsibilities that I had to answer a lot of these questions. So one day I really got fed up and I said, Hey, I don't want to answer these questions anymore. I'm going to record a video. So I pulled up loom.com. I recorded videos on how I did it. And so I, I gave that to my team and I said, here are the videos. This is how you do it. Don't ask me any more questions. So it really came from a place of frustration more than anything. I was craving that time back 
And I was just tired of having to repeat myself. And it, it's really a problem that I created for myself. And so that was really the beginning of it. And then mm -hmm. I found that a lot of my customers that were in the creative space also needed those systems, right? We were gathering and generating leads for them. We were building beautiful websites for them and brands for them. But they didn't have a streamlined way to deliver services to their clients. So we started implementing tools like HubSpot and Asana for our marketing customers so that they could um, create consistency around the work they were doing, create visibility and, and ownership around the work they were doing, sort out their tasks and projects, and then also house all their customer information in inside of one system and then work to automate a lot of the, the flows um, between their 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 different operations and so that's really where it it came from mm -hmm. and then like everybody we all have a covid um march 2020 story and uh, at the time a lot of our marketing clients said hey we got to back out of this we don't have to spend anymore and they put it on pause and i lost about 70 percent of of our of our business um, within a few days and i had an opportunity as people were going remote for the first time and working from home to take what I had learned around systems and documentation and software implementation and provide those services to these companies that were now displaced for the first time and remote for the first time. And so we started delivering and implementing project management tools for them and helping them mm -hmm. document their processes because they no longer were in office spaces. Um, where they had physical files or could go over to someone's desk. And so we created these virtual offices um, and systems and processes for them. So that's probably the shortest version I can give you to catch you up on the last, you know, eight, <laughs> nine years. But uh, that's where it all began for me. That's a great story. And a lot of uh, concepts, like we mentioned. And, you know, the reason I was telling you, uh, Marky, I, I, I get interested in you know, getting someone who speaks about this because I believe it's a little bit underrated topic and mm. because you know companies when they are small they are in the phase of startup and they start to grow and scale so as you mentioned there will be you know always like these guys that they know how to do it but it's not documented and then yeah. you know as, as a consultant you know i, I faced many times and they go and say guys how how you are doing this like say to me or like describe to me how you do this today and you know like i always see them you know, I used to see them like think a couple of minutes before they're giving me. So why it's important actually in the first place to set up, you know, what we call it as consultants, SOP or standard operating procedures. So why it's important and what's the best way to do it? And of course, I know I said a little bit broad questions, but maybe on a high level, if you can tell us. Sure. And I deal with this every day and I always encourage people to think to think differently about process documentation and SOPs. A lot of people, when they're faced with the, the task of documenting how they work, they feel like, you know, something is being taken away from them or their job is being threatened. And they wonder, why do I have to document this? And, and they get their back up a little bit. The exercise that I often will bring customers through and encourage them to think through this lens is, is this one. We know there's the very morbid example of what if you get hit by a bus? right? Then all of yeah. that information that you have in your head is now gone forever. But I, I take a different route with it. And the way that I think about this is whether you are a business leader or a knowledge worker, you know, working within a team, think 
that if you needed to take a day away, take a few days away, take a week away, right? Whether you are ill or you have to take care of a family member or you need to go on vacation or you want to go on vacation or you're away at a conference or whatever happens, life always happens. If you needed to be away and you had, and there was no way that you could work, do you have a system, um, a set of documents or you know, a set of processes where you could hand them to someone else and say, here's how I do these things that I will not be able to do over the next so-and-so period, right? Do you have that documented? Because what we're doing when we're documenting is we're taking what we call institutional knowledge and we're putting it in a place that can be shared with people so that our teams can support us. And then, so they go down this exercise and they think, is everything that I do documented so that if I needed to bring someone else in, I could do that. By, by thinking that way, we're, we're, we're putting them in a place where they feel like, okay, they've got some autonomy in this. There's some freedom that can be experienced through this as well, where they don't have to be the only person in it. Um, the only person that understands those concepts, the only person that can do that tool. Because as teams grow, as people are promoted, we often need to bring in new people and train them, let's say. And so where do you really start? Right. And so I always encourage people to think, am I the only person that knows this information? Would others benefit from having this information? The answer mm -hmm. is always yes. Someone else is going to benefit from it. And someone else likely doesn't know it as well as you know it. And so why not document it once and for all so you can create those standards, create a bit of space and freedom for yourself and create some kind of succession plan or, you know, backup plan where if you cannot be there, you have that documented so you can provide that information to someone else. So when we start thinking about it through that lens, it's less about, you know, uh, the, the knowledge worker feeling like they could be replaced and more about, you know, they're documenting this so they cannot be replaced, right? Like their systems, their process can be repeat, repeated, you know, for, for years to come and then improved on as needed. And I think, uh, Marquis, like this is maybe a, a task which looks hard at the beginning, but once they standardize it, it becomes like easier for the next projects. And this is where I think like you mentioned, you use uh, or rely on technologies like Asana. Yeah. Um, so how do you handle the objection that, you know, I know the answer, but just for the broad audience who might be in, in a domain similar to yours, because I used to work in the IT department, you know, like uh, back in the days, I, I, I used to be a systematic. And people usually, whether in the IT department or in different, you know, uh, business units, they are always afraid or like, let's say they always push back on new tools, right? Mm. Whether it's like a CRM, something like Asana for uh, project management and, you know, like uh, process optimization and so on. So how do you handle, you know, this objection that usually comes from, from the stakeholders within the organization? Yeah. First, I'll ask, do you know why they push back on new technology? Have you ever thought about it? And they, no one likes change. <laughs> no one likes change. Exactly. Change is uncomfortable. We're used to doing things a certain way. Why change? The process, the system has always been that way. So why would we need to do it any other way? And something that I always will say, even when I give talks live, is just because it's the way you've always done something, it doesn't mean that it's the right way to do it. Right? We, we've all heard about the, the 10,000 hours. It's Malcolm Gladwell that made that popular 
you know, you practice something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert. The problem with doing something the wrong way, though, is you can potentially spend 10,000 hours perfecting something, but it's not the most optimized way of going about it. So if we just flip that conversation on its head and get to think about it, you know, uh, differently, then change becomes something where it's okay, we're now exploring a better, easier, more streamlined way of doing this. So that's how I typically will approach this conversation. It's not that the way you're doing it is wrong. I don't know that it's wrong, but there is often an easier way. And so when we're approaching some of these problems, we're looking at it and we're able to do the, do the work, dive deep, or even pull up case studies from previous uh, customers or experiences to say, hey, we did this for a customer in your space. They had a model that was similar to yours. Look how much time we saved them. Look how much inefficiencies we were able to eliminate. Look how many manual touch points we were able to remove from the process. Look how much simpler it can be for you right now. And so that's where we start is we show them what the other side can look like. And we often want to engage and understand what are your current pain points? Where are you getting stuck in the process? What feedback have you received from customers or internal stakeholders around the, the kinks um, in, in, in your process right now? And so when they can make it personal and when they really think objectively, right, just pull themselves out of the situation for just a quick second, when they really look at it, they start to understand, okay, maybe there is a better way and they become more open to this change. Right. I, I do a lot of talks like this where we talk about the future of work and you have mm -hmm. to show them what the future can look like for them. Start speaking their language. And that often is done by just gathering information from the people that are connected to that process. So, again, whether it's customers or internal stakeholders that are part of that process, getting feedback from those people so they can hear it from someone else often is the best way to improve that process and get the buy in around the need for change. That's 100% uh, true, Marquis. Like, and it applies, you know, not only for this specific, uh, I would say, area of uh, uh, or domain. It can apply to, to, to anything that it's trying to enhance the workspace. I mean, to enhance the way they do business today. And I like always to, um, you know, connect it either to saving time, um, saving, you know, uh, money, uh, yeah. reducing risk, and sometimes increasing revenue, avoiding church. So uh, it, it's like a holistic approach that, you know, usually people need to, to, to get it. Now, one of the things that, um, you know, it's important to have this documentation is to later on start working on optimization. So I want you to run me through, you know, what you call it, like standardizing operating system, you know, like, uh, uh, and why it's, it's, it's crucial, like not only to document what, how you do the, the processes today, but how later on you can optimize. So if you can like, at least tell me on a high level, you know, what are the steps required after the documentation is done to start working on the optimization? Perfect. So the documentation, if we are in a process optimization stage would typically come later. But I, I think you're asking about the maintaining and the optimizing of the processes after they've been improved. Right. So yeah, what we're looking for is really just 
um, a system around when we're reviewing these processes and, you know, how often, you know, we, we need to, to be making improvements. Oftentimes this comes from user feedback, customer feedback. If we are so inclined and we want to know this information, we're sending out surveys to our users. We're sending out surveys to our customers. We're doing 360s with our team and we're gathering information all the time. And one question, um, if we take the 360 as an example, it's, do I have all the tools to do my job well? And we'll often get a lot of feedback from questions like that. If we submit a customer survey and ask for feedback on their experience through the sales process or their experience through the delivery process, we should always be collecting that information. And what we do with my team, and we recommend for a lot of customers, we, we run on e the EOS platform. And so we have what's called the issues list. And so anytime an issue comes up with a customer or something internal, something's broken and we need to fix it, we're putting it on that issues list. And then weekly leadership is reviewing those items, right? We're discussing, you know, what um, is currently happening, you know, what opportunities there are to improve. Why would we improve if we did improve it? How would it get us closer to our goals or our vision? What will be the impact on the end user? We're discussing all these things, asking the questions, and then we put it into the solve stage where now we're doing the research on what tooling can be implemented, what steps can be removed, how can we maybe introduce automation, right? And then we're sandboxing some of these changes. So uh, I, I recommend at minimum, you're looking at your processes at least once a quarter to see, is this still relevant? Is this helpful? Is this moving us forward? Is this a hindrance, right? And then you're documenting all those things on a list. So that's what that would look like from a frequency perspective. And then mm -hmm. again, if you're, no matter what model you're following, I, I think you should be having internal meetings with your team right now, like on the EOS, you know, they say well, once a week, we should be having those level 10 meetings, but that's what that would look like. And then you, you take your current process and I'm a very visual person. And a lot of people are, they, they understand things just by drawing them out. And so that's where we start. We take the process and we draw it out. So you can open up something as simple as Miro. We use Lucid or you can use old fashioned pen and paper, but you're drawing out where the process begins. And this would have been something you started before even documentation. So you have these flow charts already. Then you're looking at the process and you can objectively say, okay, at this point in the process, when we submit the document for approval, it typically takes longer or that person doesn't get notified about the document upload and then the process stalls, right? So that's a pain point in the process. So those are some of the things that as they come up, we're putting them on the issues list, we're reviewing them, talking about them, and then we figure out how can we improve that stage in the process and what can we clarify? Maybe it's a training opportunity for our team. Maybe it's a new tool, maybe something's broken. And we look at improving just small parts of the process rather than blowing it up and doing um, a, you know, a rejig of the entire end-to-end -end workflow. So we look for those opportunities as we go along and update as we go. So that keeps us kind of on our toes. That keeps the processes improving slowly. And that, um, that allows us to be continually improving, right? Rather than the continuous improval that a lot of us go through. We get to a point where the process, it looks good, it's steady. We test, we iterate, we, we let it stay there for a little bit. We gather feedback and then we work to keep improving, right? So we can understand and receive feedback from the people that are impacted. So long-winded answer to say as often as you need to, 
but uh, at minimum, you know, once a quarter and make sure you're looking at your processes and, and doing it step by step rather than all at once. Yeah, great. And I believe also, Marky, they need to, it's not like a one, uh, um, it's like, a, as they say, it's like a marathon, not a sprint, right? So because yes. uh, it's something that needs to keep an eye and they need to do maybe some analytics uh, integration. So they need to keep seeing, you know, the results and where they can do more enhancement. It's not like a, it's not like a one, you know, task done and then removed from, from the yeah. task. You mentioned something I'm passionate about, honestly, which is automation. So um, automation's been around for quite some time, but sometimes, you know, still I'm surprised that a lot of businesses, you know, they know that, okay, you know, there is something called automation out there, uh, but they don't really, like maybe they didn't try, maybe no one came and told them, like, guys, you, you can do, you know, automations here. So what are some of the examples and, you know, some of your favorite things about automation, how it can enhance the business? If you can give us like a tangible example, for example, from a business that maybe you worked on. Yeah, sure. Um, for me, I, I can talk about my role first, and then I can talk about some of the things that we implement for customers. But yeah, sure. for, for me, I, I'm the CEO of the company. I am the, the principal salesperson, right? And so anytime a lead will come in, it goes into our HubSpot CRM. And for a while, we did all of our automations and emails and tasks inside of HubSpot. But Asana is our work management tool. And so we've taken the sales pipeline out of HubSpot and put it inside of Asana, right? We've done that for a couple of reasons. I want to have all of our, our team's tasks in one place. I was finding that I was going back and forth between both tools and things were getting missed. And so we made that decision, keep the CRM in HubSpot and put the pipeline in inside of Asana. And so one of the automations that we've set up is that anytime someone books a call on our website or submits a contact form, one of two things happens. If they submit a contact form, um, looking for more information, a simple task is created for me with their request inside of Asana, and I've got their information right there. I've got it linked back to the HubSpot contact record, and I can respond to that email or make that phone call. And then if someone books a call using a link, they would fill out a form when they book that call. So it would include everything from how many people they have inside the organization. Um, we're trying to qualify them a little bit what their role is, what um, services they feel that they need from us, and they can select from, you know, a list of services, and then, you know, what they ultimately need. So then that sets off an automation that creates a task inside of my Asana deal pipeline. It pulls in the company name, it pulls in all the information they submitted. Now I can see it all inside of custom fields on the date that that meeting was booked, uh, or that call was booked. I have a subtask now created for me with my, my notes and questions that I'll ask from that call. And the part where they filled out the, uh, you know, what they need from me, that's all in there in my notes. So then I can go and I can prep, gather information, and it's all being pulled into one task, one place, all the dates are assigned. And then I have, you know, people on my team that help me, you know, sort things out as well and, you know, upload, you know, call uh, recordings and things like that. So that, that's one of the ways that I use it. There are so many other use cases, like we do a lot of internal marketing for my own podcast or my own YouTube channel. And so there's lots of automations we can apply there. But how we apply it for, for customers, we work with a lot of marketing departments. So 
whether it's a director of marketing or VP of marketing, we're often helping them build out systems for their teams so they can work better. So oftentimes, like one of the use cases is um, we're working with marketing teams that are receiving requests for design and intake all of the time. And they're having to sort out who has capacity to take on that work, um, what the layers of approvals are to get that piece of work uh, approved and then put into the production pipeline. And so we can automate the entire process from the collection of that data to the assigning of the appropriate person based on um, capability and skill or um, availability and capacity to take on that work. And then as the, the work request moves through the pipeline, there are different stages and people that need to be involved in the approval of that. So whether it's giving and receiving feedback, that can all be automated inside of Asana. Um, if it's you know giving approvals or requesting changes, that can all be automated. And then now we can use variables within Asana to pull in very detailed um, information to add to comments to provide feedback. So there are so many different, again, use cases we can use. It all depends on what you want it to do. But I, I often will say, like, if you can think it, it, it's most likely we can do it, whether through the API and, you know, custom coding or through a native integration like I've, I've talked about with, with Asana or through third-party integrators. Zapier, we, we do mm -hmm. a lot of work with. Um, Make, we used to work with quite a bit as well to build automations. But again, if you can think it, we can most likely do it. And so, um, yeah, th that's a bit about how we do it right now. And, and so my, my, my favorite ones. Yeah, great. Actually, we, we shared the, um, you know, the same, uh, favorite ones, I can say my, marquee couple of weeks back, um, you know, just for the sake, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, let's call it evangelize, you know, automation in, in across companies. And I work a lot with startups and small, medium businesses, and they think that mm, we don't need automation. And, you know, I like always to tell them, guys, actually, you need automation more than maybe enterprise. Like maybe I'm not exaggerating here because you have less resources, less people, and you need to do a lot of things. So I love, you know, all the tools that you mentioned, especially Make for me and Zapier also as well uh, are my favorite tools. You know, whether for, you know, marketing automation, CRM automations, and, yeah. you know, like we, we can talk for hours maybe about this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I really, I love this, um, you know, these automations because it makes the life really easy, right? So, um, exactly. and, you know, I know that one of the missions that you have is to eliminate burnout in workplace, right? So, yeah. Uh, why are you passionate about this? What, what's, what drives this passion for you? The simple answer is because I've experienced it. Yeah. I, I know what burnout feels like. Um, it's, it doesn't feel good. And as a leader in a company, especially as a CEO, um, I almost can't afford to get burnt out because there are people that rely on me every single day. Um, there are responsibilities that, you know, I currently manage that. If I'm burnt out, I am shutting myself off to the world. I am closing down. I am second guessing myself. Um, imposter syndrome starts to set in. Um, I'm not the best version of myself for my team. I'm not the best version of myself for my family. And especially at home, they can see it. They can feel it. Um, it impacts my relationship with my kids and my wife. Um, and so that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Why I'm so passionate about it is because 
Um, and I've had my own struggles and still deal with um, sometimes crippling anxiety and, you know, been in therapy for, for years. And I, I think everyone should be in therapy, <laughs> you know, one way, one way or another. I, I think it, it's definitely, you know, needed. But um, why I'm so passionate about this, especially from a customer perspective, is, you know, a lot of people think about their ideal client avatar, their ideal client persona, you know, whatever that is. And they think, what's their, what's their demographic? You know, how much money do they make? Where do they live in the world? What kind of car do they drive? Um, you know, what does their family look like? What are some of their goals? You know, and that is important. That's all important information. And LinkedIn gives us all of that. And there's various other outreach tools that give us all of that. But why I'm so passionate about it, um, uh, eliminating burnout, is because I know that there are people behind those demographics. I know that there are real people that mm -hmm. on any given Tuesday night are on their couch. They've had a long day at work. Um, things are crazy. Deadlines are being missed. Things are falling through the cracks. Their boss is asking for a status update and they don't know where to look. They're trying to herd cats all day and they're dreading maybe going back the next day. But they have to do it. They go back every single day. And so I think about that person and what they might be going through in their day that would lead them to, in my you know, experience, go on YouTube and search out how to, you know, make my team, you know, use Asana better or how to use Asana for, you know, advanced functions. And they find a video of mine and then they go down a rabbit hole. And I've received emails and comments about this where they said, I've binge watched your videos. And I, and I think what could be going on in your life that you're on the couch on a Wednesday night after work, searching up on YouTube, you find someone <laughs> like me you connect with me. There's something there that goes beyond the demographics we can see, right? There's a real person that has real goals that's maybe fearful of losing their job, that maybe right. is up for a performance review, up for a promotion. They want to impress their boss and they've taken the time to watch these videos or go to conferences or take courses on their own time so that they can improve, so that they can make the steps and advance in their career Right. So that's why this is so important to me. It's because the services that we're delivering are helping people to improve how they work, make their days easier, you know, remove that that dread of not knowing where or how the work is happening. We're creating visibility for people inside of systems. We're creating standardized processes for people and we're we're making work easier for people. Right. And if at the end of an engagement, someone comes to me and they can say, I'm so glad I started watching your videos or I'm so glad we made this investment and their boss is now happy because they have something happy to report on, then that's a win for us, right? And that gets us one step closer to eliminating team burnout, aligning teams and delivering and solving real problems. So I could talk uh, forever about just that, but th that's why I'm so passionate about this. Yeah, like, you know, for me, I was always, being asked like why you're passionate about technology and being you know because I work as a consultant for for long time and I said you know the moment when you help someone to um, fix something or maybe they are struggling in in doing something in a way and then you show them another way to do it um like you know I remember like 
few years back, you know, uh, I've seen someone, you know, like he's repeating the same task. Uh, it was not automation, but kind of streamlining, I would say, the, the, the way they, he used to do the things. So he was like copying something, putting it in Excel. And then, and then I told him, hey, like, and it was not automation. It was simply just, you know, a, a, a formula. It's, it's a VLOOKUP in, in Excel. And they said, look, if you do it this way, you don't have to manually copy. And you know, when this guy he told me, you know what? I can't tell you how much time you save me. I don't have to stay in the office till late night. I can go and see my yes. kids. And you're like, you know, like that was like a different feeling for me. And I can understand you, Marquis, you know, when you mentioned this, because yeah, there's a real human being behind this. Yeah. He's now in the office. He worked for this company, but he's a human being. Well, she's a human being at the end of the day. And she got family, he got family, you know, and the kids, kids sister, brother. And, you know, this is why I believe, you know, technology and any technology, we were talking today about process uh, enhancement and optimization and automation, but any technology, you know, it should touch the human part. And I love this marquee, really, really, I love it too much. Now, talking a little bit about, you know, shifting gears, about entrepreneurships and, and skipping. So you successfully exited two businesses. So yes. what do you, what do you think are the key factors for a, let's call it profitable exit. For a profitable exit. Hmm. Consistency. Mm -hmm. That can be from a documentation perspective. Um, when we think about change management, consistent in how we communicate that change. Especially because mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about real people, right? I think that a lot of the success I've had was because I've had a team behind me that understood where we were going. Um, there was communication around where we were going, why we were doing the things we were doing, why it was important to document. And I think team buy-in and adoption was probably the biggest reason for those exits because I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't document everything that I needed to on my own. Um, I couldn't train on all the touch points that needed to be trained and improved upon on my own. I needed my team there. I needed them to buy in. And there needed to be consistency in how we delivered and how we went about our day-to-day -day that ultimately led to, led to success. Because when you're consistent, you create these repeatable processes that you know, over time, and we would always do post-mortems and retrospectives so we could say, how can we improve on it? And every time we got better, we got faster, we got more streamlined, right? It became second nature. So if we're talking about profit here, right, that goes down to the the day-to-day. -day. We we measure that by project. We measure that by by team member. We measure that by by task. We measure that by burn rate, right? And so when you go down that, that deep into it, you're looking and seeing, Improving a process and improving how we deliver is improving our profit margins, right? And so over time, this just, you know, you have this compounding, you know, effect of the improvements that you're making. And ultimately, by the end of it, I had a company that, you know, for talking about um, the previous consultancy, I had a company where our processes were airtight, where our delivery it wasn't perfect, right? We still have, you know, customer feedback and, you know, things that went sideways a little bit, 
Um, it wasn't, you know, butterflies and rainbows all the time, but we had consistent processes. We had consi consistent um, delivery, right? I think that's ultimately what it was. And that was because we paid attention to customer feedback, implemented that feedback, paid close attention to what our team was saying and assessed and discussed and solved for the things that would uh, ultimately make the difference to reduce expenses and reduce timelines um, and make for a, a, a more streamlined and enjoyable process for all parties involved. So, yeah. 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 Like, again, it's all about people. I can see this, Marky. It's about yeah. people from both sides, from, you know, internally as, you know, the team and externally with the customers and putting, you know, human first. I, I like this. Uh, Always. Um, this, this approach. So. You know, like uh, a lot of my uh, audience are people who are eager to start. So they are not there yet, but they are eager yeah. to start. So because you have done it multiple times, right? So what piece of advice you tell someone today, whether maybe they are just about to graduate from college or maybe they are, they've been sometimes in the corporate world and they are looking to do the change. They want to follow their passion. So. What piece of advice you tell these people that want to go and start their businesses and they have the dream to scale it? Hey. Spend the time to get really good at one thing and just don't stop doing it until you could consider yourself to be an expert. Mm -hmm. because something that I often think about is if we went back to a time, you know, and we, we used to, this used to actually exist. So it's, it's interesting to see like how we came from there and now we're here, but think back to a time where money didn't exist, right? There was no value placed on coins or, you know, animals being traded. We all just were trying to exist and provide a service. Um, so we could, you know, live. Th that's all it was about. So we could live. So you had the person that, you know, studied really hard and learned how to become a blacksmith. And you had another person that studied really hard and learned how to bake bread. Right. And we would, we would share and we would barter and everyone would get along and we all needed each other. And the people that spent the time studying and working hard at that one thing became authorities, became the go-to in that space, right? A lot of the businesses we see today, whether it's Ford or uh, Kellogg's, and I know they're owned by massive corporations now, but right, they all started um, from a, you know, someone's kitchen. They all started from someone's garage. They all started from someone's whatever it was, and they spent the time and dedicated. It's becoming really good at that one thing. Yes, things will come up and there are what we call shiny objects and there are lessons you'll need to learn and there are services you'll need to deliver that aren't aligned with what you ultimately want to do. And that's all about learning. But I think once you find that one thing that you like are passionate about, um, don't stop doing it. Don't stop doing it until you have put in the time, you put in your 10,000 hours and you become an expert at that because it, it will pay off in some way, shape or form. 
100%. And uh, all, you know, the books that I try to, to, I would say, read to get this, you know, how to become expert, they go back to the 10,000 hours uh, concept. You know, if, if you are a fan like myself, I'm a fan with, with some, you know, of course, uh, the motivational uh, speakers say, like Robin Sharma, for example, is one of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, in one of his speeches, he was mentioning like about when they asked, you know, Picasso to draw a, 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 a woman, you know, she, she came, approached him and she asked him, Mr. Picasso, can you draw me? And then, you know, uh, he, he drew her in like one minute and then she took, you know, the picture and she wants, she, he said, excuse me, like you need to pay me. You know, it's, it's not free. She said, yeah, but it took just one minute from you. I said, uh-huh. yeah, but I spent all my life <laughs> to put that fast. It didn't come, you know, like, it's, it's not like something I, I came up with. So I needed to put some time. I need to put some efforts in it. And yeah, no, there's nothing that comes easy. And um, yeah, and guys, you know, to, to your point, Marquis, and this is something I advise from my side, don't be tricked by the shiny things that is out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, they tell you that we are not a, uh, you know, get rich quick scheme, but actually they are. Yeah. They are, you know, because they, they try to manipulate. And unfortunately, we are seeing a lot of these things these days. Um, and I'm telling guys, okay, he's good because he did it. He's asking you to copy him, but it doesn't work this way. You, you need to do it your own way. There's no playbook. I tried it. You know, when I was younger, I, I was, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I can be smart and, you know, I can jump from here. I can copy things, but it's, it doesn't work this way. You need to put your hard work down. Marquis, as we come up to the end, I know you have your own podcast. Can you tell me more about it? Sure. The, the podcast is called In Systems We Trust. So I would have people like you on and we would just talk about the, the systems and the processes that you've built, the frameworks you've created that are helping you to improve how your company works, right? So we talk about automation, we talk about uh, work management tools, we talk about project management on that show. Um, and yeah, it, it's one of the things that I love to do because I love operations, I love process improvement. And so you can catch that podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. There's a video version on YouTube, if that's more your speed. But uh, yeah, I'd love for you to go check that out. Great. I will make sure I will put the link. And also I will put the link to all your, uh, um, you know, your website, your company website and uh, the podcast also, of course. Mark, usually I have a final question and it's not a question to trick you. But uh, is there anything that you wish I had asked you? or you know, something you wish like we, we discussed that you want to talk about it very briefly. Oh man, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> you, you have come to understand that I'm about the people, right? And even on my podcast, we talk about technology and automation. We always get down to the really like interpersonal stuff. We, we want to talk about the people and the feelings. I always want to go there. Um, you started going there when you asked about, you know, why I'm so passionate about burnout. I wish you would ask me more about, you know, the, the bad side of things, you know, what, what the other side of, uh, of things look like and, and how we, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, what, what things looked like when they weren't so good, when we weren't 
exiting companies and scaling teams. Um, I, I love talking about the struggle and the grind and, and the rise and the real things that happen behind the scenes that people don't tend to talk about when they're trying to sell you get rich quick uh, courses and, and things like that. But everything else was great. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe if you want to, you know, talk about this in, in very shortly, like feel free, you know. We would need a whole other podcast to talk about <laughs> that, a whole other hour. But let's just well, say uh, it, it, it kind of um, tied into what I was saying about never, you know, giving up, finding that one thing you're passionate about. When mm -hmm. I left marketing and when I, I was really looking for something more when I was running my marketing agency, it wasn't that COVID happened and I jumped into Ditto and started it. I was already thinking about making this change. I just didn't know what it would look like. It turns out I, I was never the marketing guy. It's just something that I knew. I was always the operations guy. I was always thinking about, you know, the fact that there was a place for everything and everything had a place. I always believed in order. I always believed in systems. And I, I worked at that. I explored that. I looked inside myself. Um, I went away on retreats and spent time alone just thinking about what value I really brought to the world and what's that one thing that you know, people would fly me across the world to do work with me, right? Like I, I explored that and I uncovered it and there were late nights and there were tears and, you know, um, sometimes when I had a, a long day and I was feeling down on myself, I mean, um, with the struggle with, it, with anxiety, I would finish my day curled up in a ball on, on, on the floor of my office because it was just so difficult and it would have been easy to give up, would have been easy to go find a job somewhere provided I went through the 500 interviews you need to go through these days. But uh, it would have been easy to give up and say, you know what, this is too difficult. Um, I'm going to do something else. But I stuck with it and I explored and dug deep in myself um, and overcame uh, many odds. And yeah, happy that I that I did that. So again, I could talk about that for three hours, but uh, <laughs> there, yeah, there's great. always another side to it. Yeah, great. And um, thank you for bringing this also, Marquis, because some people sometimes they, when I started to, I would say, pivot, you know, the, uh, the, the, the podcast, because the title is the CTO show and people, they thought it's all about technology. I had the vision. I didn't know how to do it. So, okay, how I can, okay, I want to talk about technology, but I want to also talk about people. I want to talk about, you know, other aspects of technology, which usually they are, I would say, you know, the technology, maybe it's like the, when we give the example of the ice, uh, iceberg, right? So there's the top and then yeah. the hidden parts. And I wanted these hidden parts to come up. So I, this is why I had, you know, someone who talks about just burnout. Like he's a chief burnout officer, one of my guests. You know, we talk about, you know, hiring in tech. We talk and everywhere. We talk about marketing. We talk about sales. And the reason is because I believe, and I, I'm happy that we share the same, um, you know, vision, I would say, or the same beliefs that it's technology again, maybe I'm repeating myself. Technology is not about, you know, the shiny things. It's about people at the end and how we can add value to the people, change lives, you know, get things moving forward. The future of work also like, because I've talked about it as a, you know, I, I delivered also a session about it couple of months yeah. back because, and I believe, you know, yeah, we were going to a change and you know, to the point that you mentioned about, you know, how back in the days when there was no money and it's like a takeaway for me today, um, how everyone was specialized, someone who go as a blacksmith, you know, the other as a baker and so on. So yeah. 
I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that one day we will come back to this where, you know, people will really, you know, give value to what really matters, not the shiny things only outside. Like, uh, I'm trying, you know, and I'm going to keep trying. This is why I do this show daily. This is why I keep, you know, I don't give up. I, I hope that I will be able to continue this way. So, Marquis, really thank you very much for being on my show today. I'm, uh, you know, very pleased to to have this discussion. And as I mentioned, you know, people who want to connect and again, the podcast uh, of Marquis, it will be in the show notes also as well. So thank you very much for being with me today, Marquis. And this is for the audience. You know how I end every time the episode. Guys, keep the feedbacks coming. And it doesn't have to be only, oh, we like it. It's amazing, fantastic. I like to hear critics as well because this is how I think I can enhance myself, enhance the show. So don't be shy to send these uh, notes also as well. And if you are interested to be also a guest on the show, don't be shy, reach out to me. Like all my guests are majority of the time uh, international from the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. You know, all the all the part of the world. We're gonna have guests also from finally uh, from Singapore and Japan very soon. So stay tuned for that. So don't be shy. Reach out. Time zone is not a huge issue. I can uh, accommodate that. And again, thank you for tuning in. And see you soon in an episode uh, tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> thank you very much for. Thanks, for Matt. Hit that subscribe button, share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.